Welcome, everybody, to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. I'm Carol Malinsky, Director of Content and Curriculum for the Institute, and I'm here today with my leader, the president of SLI, Robin Swift. And we are privileged today in that we're going to be listening to some teaching from Ken Blanchard. Actually, this was a presentation that Ken did at our 2018 Servant Leadership Conference. Ken's been a contributor to our Servant Leadership Conferences every year, and there's always so much to learn from this world-renowned teacher, author, and chief spiritual officer of the Ken Blanchard Companies. We know you'll enjoy Ken's wit and wisdom as he teaches us about servant leadership and calls us to action. And we hope that we can add value to to you as we do the color commentary along the way. Robin, before we roll Ken's audio, can you give us a little background on Ken's relationship with the Servant Leadership Institute? Yes, absolutely. First of all, thanks everybody for tuning in today. We're so excited about this program and to share the wisdom of Ken Blanchard and kind of uh, share some of our stories, um, how he's impacted our lives and as leaders. And then, of course, um, just as people, he has so much wisdom. So super excited about this. And so, Carol, um, I first think to myself, um, what does Ken Blanchard mean to the Servant Leadership Institute? It's like, would we even be here, right? Mm. I mean, he really inspired our founder, Art Barter, to lead in a different way many, many years ago when he spoke at Art's church. Um, And hence the whole story, which many of you have heard about Art transforming his radio manufacturing company, Daytron, to a servant-led organization, and then starting the Institute to inspire and equip others. So here we are today, Um, I think a lot because of that just meeting, right? Yeah, it's about, uh, let's see, about 15 years ago now. That And it really started Art down that road, down that journey, as you'll hear Ken talk about journey, um, to servant leadership and wanting that desire to turn Daytron into a servant-led culture, which, of course, is was achieved and is still a work in progress today. So as, as all of you know, servant leadership doesn't just stop somewhere. You never reach <laughs> the end of that road, but it's certainly rewarding along the way. So, yeah, that was... You could say that we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Ken. <laughs> I think that's a fair thing. I to think say. so. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and get into the Let's audio today? Yeah, and we can just start with the first segment. All right. Now, why did I do that? Except I'm from California, and we're going to bring in some hot tubs in a little while. Uh, but. Uh, That's a really powerful exercise. How many of you know that the computer and the mind have a lot in common? Did you know that? Neither the computer or the mind knows the difference between the truth and what you tell it. You know, you put something in a computer, it doesn't say, where'd you get that information? The computer will do whatever it can with the information you give it. We have said about the computer for years, garbage in what? Do you know that's the same way with your mind? You look in the mirror this morning, 
and you say, you are fabulous, your mind is not going to say, who are you kidding? I know you much better than that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and the reason I wanted you to show that is that being a servant leader and being a great leader is all about what managing energy, managing your energy and everybody else's energy. Where was there more energy in the room, the first activity or the second? Second, significantly, what did I do to change the energy? All I changed was what you were thinking about from these are unimportant people to these are long lost buddies that you're glad to see. And what's really interesting is that if we can change what you're thinking about, we can also change your behavior. Because did I tell you how to behave with unimportant people? No, but the, as you walked around, very little eye contact, very little touching and all. Then I said, these are long lost friends. What happened? Your faces lit up, you started to laugh, you started to hug each other and all that kind of thing. My old friend Zig Ziglar always used to say, I'm gonna give you a checkup from the neck up and get rid of some of your stinking thinking. You know, and, uh, and there's a lot of stinking thinking about leadership. And that's what I think is so great about what Art has done here and he's done with his company, you know. A lot of people hear about things and they don't do anything. I mean, I met Art at church. I talked about Jesus as a great servant leader and you ought to lead your company uh, and your life as a servant. And Art says, I'm going to do it. You know, and that, that really began it, you know. But if you start to think differently, then you start to what? Behave differently. If you want to put it into drive, you got to first start with getting rid of your stinking thinking. But Well, that was certainly a, a lot of food for thought in that comment. And you know, Robin, what I thought of right away when Ken was talking about thinking is naturally one of our servant leadership behaviors that we teach is to think about your thinking and to really reflect on in any situation is your are you having useful thoughts or non-useful thoughts and uh, when Ken talks about using you know changing the way your mind thinks to me, he's really talking about that and the, the power of putting good stuff into our heads. Absolutely. And we can always count on Ken to use things we can remember, like <laughs> yeah. your stinking thinking, exactly. right? So I love that. But I have certainly done a lot of work. I know you two have done this on yourself, Carol, to really study this area of think about your thinking and is this useful thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you know, how you enter the building when you come in the morning, like he's talking about, what do you check, you know, your state, because you're going to affect others. Right. So the self-awareness piece for me has been the biggest part of growth in servant leadership, where you do really have to start with yourself. It's uncomfortable sometimes, but I, I've, I've dug down deep to put more energy into this to, to be a better person and, and a better leader. So I love hearing this. It really struck me. I've really, I've seen so clearly in my own life the power of this in actually a couple of different areas. One with um, my child um, where I relied on positive statements, um, actually Bible verses, um, for him when he was having a particular rough time. And I would leave these 
you know, on the mirror of his bathroom so that he could read them in the morning when he was entering into his day. Worked very well, surprisingly enough. You know, I'm, I'm um, the type of person who might kind of poo-poo that kind of thing, and then I saw it come true in my own life. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it with myself in um, just having, you know, rough, rough times with my thoughts and being positive. And it has really helped to have these positive sort of affirmations in front of me and to incorporate them into my life. And that's really part of what Ken's talking about, I think, to try and get rid of this stinking thinking. Absolutely. I think that's a great note there because you're leaving these affirmation positive thoughts mm-hmm. um, to feed your, your mind because we out of nowhere, suddenly we could drift into a whole area and your mind's all off and you're like, oh my gosh, where have I gone here with this? Right. Um, making a mountain out of a molehill, as they say. Right. And I think that, you know, if we have an attitude and we come into the workplace in that kind of negative state, it's very difficult to manage the energy of other people when you have none yourself or the energy you do have is very negative. Absolutely. I mean, how can we possibly, you know, lead people in the right way and um, be aware enough to, to channel their energy in the right directions if we're coming from a negative place? Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, let's get back to our presentation here. How many of you would like to be known as a self-serving leader? Oh, she's one honest person. She put her hand up. <laughs> you know? And because, uh, you know, whenever I ask people that, you know, how many people want to be servant leader versus self-serving? Nobody puts their hands up. And yet we see a lot of self-serving leaders. Well, if you really have the intention to be a servant leader, why aren't you? You know Why? It's an inside-out job. It starts in your heart with the question, are you here to serve or be served? It's a character question. And you might say, gee, well, how do I change my character? Well, you've got to take a good look. And what is the thing that keeps us from doing what we want to be servant leaders? It's the human ego. The human ego. What is it? It stands for edging God out or everything good outside. And there's two ways your ego is going to get in the way that's going to goof you up if you want to be a servant leader. One is false pride. When you have a more than philosophy, you think you're brighter than, you're smarter than, and, all, you know, and you're, you're judging other people and evaluating them and all that kind of thing. You, you think you're kind of a big deal. Well, if you've got that kind of attitude, it's going to be a little hard to be a, a servant leader because you think it's all about you. Now there's another way our ego gets in the way, a lot of people wouldn't think it's an ego problem, is fear or self-doubt. That's when you come from a less than philosophy. That's when you think, oh God, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this, you know, and you're mumbling to yourself and all that kind of stuff. And people say, well, how's that an ego problem? Well, if you have self-doubt, what are you focusing on, yourself or other people? You're focusing on yourself. And one of the big things that we've created in our work is we have a 12-step Egos Anonymous program. (laughs) Why is that? Because it's the biggest addiction in the world. Now, we all know that false pride is a superego addiction problem. 
A lot of people don't know about self-doubt. But how do people with a don't feel good about themselves, they get in all the negative addictions? What? Drinking, drugs, sex, power, all those kind of things. They look for outside agents to make them feel good about themselves. And I tell you, that's not going to do you much good uh, there. What you got to do is realize, if you want to overcome self-doubt, is realize God didn't make any junk. You were absolutely beautiful. He gave you a set of skills that he didn't give other people. So stop comparing yourself. Why don't you, with all the, the, the stuff on Strength Founder says, focus on building your strengths. Don't try to overcome your weaknesses. Hire people to work with you to overcome your weaknesses and build on your strengths. That's why you were put here. And how can you use your strengths to help serve other people and make a difference in their lives. That was pretty meaty. I would right say there, so. Robin. <laughs> what are your thoughts, takeaways? Oh man, there's so much there, but I think it's such a provocative statement he's made there about, we think of an ego as me, 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 and I'm so great right. and all that. Um, but what about the self-doubt, which just the emphasis on see self, once again, you're, mm -hmm. you're inwardly just thinking about yourself it may, in a fear way, in a, in a you know, self-doubt manner. So it's great to bring this to our attention that that's an area that I find a lot of people that have an, a natural way about servant leadership, but they may have a, a, an area of a lot of self-doubt too. Right. So the development and another way to go deeper and grow and, and be a better servant leader is to look at that fear-based area. And you may be very humble, but how much are you spending time in self-doubt? You know, I, what occurred to me was I think there, there are a lot of leaders who uh, oftentimes complain about the fact that they have to do everything that the people that report to them can't make decisions and so forth. I think what, what came to my mind was maybe we should take a look at this condition in the folks that, that we lead. Are they, you know, do they have this self-doubt problem? And maybe that's why they are afraid to make more decisions themselves. So we have that condition going on. And then if you've got, it, of course, an ego problem at the leader's level, mm -hmm. in, in either case, self-doubt or the, I think I'm so wonderful, it makes it even worse. It does. So you really end up with a very messy kind of leadership situation. Yes, and I think that's, you know, that area of self-doubt and fear, I probably have more of, of that aspect to myself. And yeah, I've I done a, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I know I do. Yeah, so I've, we've, we've <laughs> done a lot of work in this area. But I think that's why I love as a coach and as a leader to help other people that I see have this because I'm, I'm, I, I shouldn't say I've battled it as if I've conquered it because it's, you know, it's, it's a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. But I've certainly taken it on and, and thrown myself out in the fire at times. And I know you have too, Carol. I mean, you came from Daytron in the manufacturing world and you came over to SLI and you're a writer now and a podcast host and doing webinars. Yeah. And to me, that is facing fears. That's what we're talking about. We may have doubt, can we do this? Can we do this? But we keep pushing ourselves out there, right? Yeah. And it is a, um, I agree with you that it is a continual process 
And those, those feelings of self-doubt can hit you at any time. And so I think that's where, you know, what we talked about a little bit earlier about being aware and being self-aware um, really comes into play, you know, because if you can see, oh, I'm, I'm going to that place, I'm going to that negative mm-hmm. place and catch yourself and think, okay, what's really the best course of action to take here? The one that's going to be, the one that's going to manage my energy in the right way, in a positive mm-hmm. way. Um, that's what I think we need to keep working at. And I'm, I certainly don't mean to add to what you know, our teacher Ken here is, yeah, right. is saying, but, you know, just to kind of fill in on, on what we've experienced in our lives. Right. I think, you know, that's a great, you're just reflecting on how that teaching, you know, impacts you. And I think early in the days of the Servant Leadership Institute, if we recall, you recall, we were working very hard to describe servant leadership. What mm-hmm. is servant leadership? Mm-hmm. Remember those days oh, we, yeah. we needed the boilerplate, the elevators <laughs> and all that. <laughs> but to me, this mindset piece that Ken is teaching us about is a way that we can practice servant leadership. I mean, we check our own mindset of how we are in every moment and you can practice it. It is what servant leadership, am I here to serve or be served as Ken teaches us? And of all the things we talked about how to describe this practice of a leadership approach, to me, he's telling us this mindset, you know, that you become aware, you pause, you don't just react, you Mm -hmm. take time, you look at the condition of of yourself. And that's what moment by moment it can change. Like you're you're saying, Carol, you know, it hits us out of nowhere. We think we're all, okay, I got this. (laughs) Situations are new every morning, that's for sure. Yeah. Let's rejoin Ken now. Now, what's the anecdote for for false pride? Well, it's humility. And a lot of people think humility is a weakness. I remember Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great. He came out with the two characteristics of great leaders were what? Resolve, which is determination to accomplish a goal, live according to a vision. And the second was humility. And when the data came out initially, Jim kept on saying to his researchers, look at that data again. Humility can't be the number two quality of a great leader. You know, and they kept on saying, Jim, (laughs) that's what it shows. And the first time I saw Jim after the book down, I said, hey, Jim, I just so appreciate you, uh, you know, profiling Jesus. He said, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he was resolved, man. He was going to Calgary. He was going to complete his task. But humility, you look in the Bible, humility is in there so often about seeing other people more than yourself. And I wrote a book with Norman Vincent Peale, the old positive thinking pastor about ethics a number of years ago. He was 86 years old when I met him. And we said in that book that people with humility, and get this down, don't think less of themselves, they just think about themselves less. Because you got to feel good about yourself before you can help people feel good about themselves. Because you can't be a servant leader if you got a lot of self-doubts and all that. Or, and it's really interesting, the false pride, if you've ever read years ago, I'm okay, you're okay, 
you know, the worst life position was I'm okay, you're not, which is false pride. And the data showed that people with false pride, they are really what? Covering up not okay feelings about themselves. They're overcompensating for lousy feelings about themselves by wanting to control things because they're afraid. You know, I, uh, I'm really touched by that because I've seen it so many times where, and, and I'm, I, I've seen it in myself as well, where a, a particular um, situation is very tense, very stressful, uh, something happened and, you know, some kind of problem occurs and people are trying to resolve it, trying to go forward. And instead of, you know, pausing to think more logically about the situation, you grip it Mm -hmm. tighter. Mm -hmm. And you grip, when you grip tighter on people, you create this stress environment that actually leads to more errors, not less. Mm, Great point. But it's so easy. It's our automatic reaction. We want to say... Well, that person over there that reports to me made a mistake. I better go over there and do that job because they might make a mistake again. Mm-hmm. And so you become, you know, the the micromanaging yep. leader. Mm-hmm. So easy to do that. Yeah, that that's that can happen in, like you say, just a split second. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you go into a different disposition, a different mindset. And um, it's so important to be aware, like you were saying, of of the of what what triggers that. Yeah. And can I behave as Ken's teaching us differently? One of the things, Carol, that I was thinking about as we were listening to Ken, who's been a great teacher, I know, to both of us over the years, we've had the pleasure of having him at every one of our conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so we've spent some time with him. And, you know, backstage, if you will, prepping. And so I watch these people very carefully, the people we have come speak over the years. And Ken is so much behaves the talk. I mean, he spends extra time with people at the conference, signing as many books as they they keep coming, he keeps signing. And he spends time, like, getting pictures with everybody or just really greeting them like he truly cares about each person and I'm, I watch that so carefully like that's that's not faking it you can't fake that Mm-mm. and that extra time and then we see him come early sometimes sit down listen to other speakers take notes he's a student and so we watch that and remember that we're, we're always watching leaders right do are do they behave the talk do they truly are they what they say they are? You know, that's so important, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it sure is. I I will never forget, actually, being in, I, th- I believe it was 2016. No, maybe 17. Anyway, not being aware that Ken had even come into the room, but, you know, I was way at the back and looking and seeing, oh, there's this, you know, older gentleman mm-hmm. sitting there writing furiously, and it was Ken. He didn't come in and go like to the front of the room or the VIP table or whatever you want to call <laughs> yeah. it. He was in this little seat in the back, you know, a horrible viewpoint. <laughs> but he was furiously taking notes on the speaker. Yeah. 
And that is the sign of a lifelong leader. Mm -hmm. And and also one who um, does not let himself be limited by age. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ken wrote a book called Refire that uh, is a great book to read if you're you happen to be in the segment of life where you are looking you know forward to maybe a different career move something like that in Mm -hmm. your life it's the latter part of your career and uh you know because he refired himself basically and it's so apparent he's just as passionate as he ever was and you'll kind of see that later in this clip if if you want to shift into drive back home, back in your office to servant leadership, every time you get together with your team, and I have a number of presidents and people do this, once a week when they get together with their team, they begin the meeting with an Egos Anonymous meeting. And I want to tell you, if you want to bring a group of people together, try that, you know. And a lot of people are a little bit uptight about that, you know, because I don't want to share my vulnerability. And what is Brene Brown talking about a lot now? The power of vulnerability and the fact it takes courage. I wrote a book with Colleen Barrett, you know, the president of Southwest Airlines, after Herb stepped down. And she said, and take this in your notes, she said, people admire your skills, but they love your vulnerability. I mean, if you will really admit when you have some doubts, when you have, and model that for your people, and they'll admit that, what happens? You're going to be able to help each other. I tell you, if you want to shift into drive, having egos anonymous meetings is really powerful. Even teaching your young kids about ego and, and all is just a powerful uh, thing because it, what it does is it keeps us centered in ourselves. And they've been talking a lot about the journey here. And it is a journey because when kids come into this world, are they servant leaders? Hell no, they're yelling, yeah, get high, you know, I want this and all that. So, you know, it takes time to move away from yourself and all. But don't wait and all. Start the shift as Art and everybody wants you to do here as soon as you can. And an Egos Anonymous meeting will, will start off because when we teach about servant leadership, we start in the heart with that question, are you here to serve or be served? And everybody says, yeah, I'm here to serve. Okay, then let's make sure we check your ego at the door. Once again, Robin, this brought into my mind um, something a little bit similar that we did at Daytron during the, um, the transition process of changing the culture and working within the management, you know, the leadership team. And what Art Barter had us do was evaluate each other based on the servant leadership behaviors. So every person had to evaluate every person in the management group. Oh, wow. And then so you would score them, basically, um, on behaviors. And then um, you would, if you wanted to, you could actually go talk to that person about their evaluation of you, which in some cases, you know, a lot of people felt like they wanted explanations (laughs) for why they were rated in the way they were. And then you had to get up in front of the team and talk about 
your weakest points and what you are going to do to try and turn those around. And so you want to talk about vulnerable. No kidding. It was extremely uh, tough for a lot of people. So we, we did that sort of in the first year or so. Um, then from there, we used to report on a monthly basis how we were doing on the behaviors that we wanted to change in ourselves. And so we would actually, we had a system, a tool where we could actually write that into the system and keep a record of it. And we were allowed to go and read anybody else's that we wanted to on the management team. So it really, um, you really got to know people. I'm sure. sure. (laughs) And build really strong relationships. And the people that maybe you thought felt a certain way about you, you found out that might not be the case at all. Mm, And so you really got to know one another. So kind of similar to an Egos Anonymous. What what struck you by that in that last clip? Well, first of all, just hearing that story and putting myself in that position, (laughs) you know, like, wow. But at the same time, I've really learned from these years working with you and Art and everyone at the Institute that that's the strength of a leader when you when you do let your hair down so to speak and Mm -hmm. your emotions are real you're a real person and you don't try to carry a facade and you have weaknesses and you have strengths and so all that was able to be you know unveiled before one another and I can see why you guys have such strong you know uh, uh, strengths are so so, I can't what am I trying to say bonds Bonds, thank you I think it's where you yes you have such strong bonds together um, and it's because you form such solid relationships you know for sure but when I was thinking uh, what I was thinking about when Ken was talking um, just reflecting on work that I'm underway on is is to let go let Mm. your team do their thing you mm-hmm. know uh, and and at first you're like but they don't need me for this and it, that's ego right they don't need me for this and you're like no that's great that's your job you know to inspire and equip that's a good thing and I think again that's that mind shift right you mm-hmm. have to check that is, is this all about you then right you know, like they have to have you around you know aren't aren't you really making people better if they don't need you but that's very different, isn't it? Just in that moment of dependency maybe well, on you. Yeah, because you start, you can, if you allow yourself to do it, you can go down the road of, well, what do they need me for? Maybe they won't need me. Oh, my God. You know, am I going to be out of a job? Yeah, right. Because no, we, we take it. That's crossed my mind. Because neg- <laughs> we take it to the negative side. Right. But, but really, your job, and Ken talks about later talks about it later in this um, presentation when he talks about sort of defining servant leadership you are there to cast the vision and to make sure that the vision and the values and the purpose of the organization are in alignment that people are all working to achieve the same plan so it's not that you're not needed anymore you very much are needed, but it might be in a different way. And I think a lot of times in a lot of organizations, people are so focused on the to-do list that they forget how important vision and purpose and you know um, mission truly are. 
That's a great point and ties back into Ken's initial teaching when we first started this podcast program about mission, goals, how important mm-hmm. a vision is. So, yeah, yeah, great reminder. So let's see what else Ken has to say. Let's do it. And all look at organizations. You get one person who gets it, and they drive it home like Art has done with with Daytron. It's just so important. But don't wait for the top people to do it. Do it yourself. But remember, there's two parts, if you could believe in the head of servant leadership, because it's the only way to get great results and great human satisfaction. The leadership part of servant leadership is about vision, direction, and goals. And that's your responsibility as a manager. It doesn't mean you don't involve people. But if people don't know what they're being asked to do, shame on you. Because one of the problems in Washington and a lot of places without vision and direction, there's nothing to serve but yourself. So servant leadership starts with this is where we're going. This is what we're trying to accomplish. These are our values. And then once that's clear, now you go to the servant part of servant leadership and you turn it upside down and now you work for everybody else who what? Eventually works for the people who deal with your customers. As my friend was saying, they finally learned in their tribe and in their organization, what? Who's the most important customer in your organization? Your people. And if you take care of your people and love on your people and train your people, then they go out of the way to take care of your number two customer, which is what? The people who use your products and your services. And they become raving fans. And they become part of your sales force. And then what happens then? That takes care of the owners and the stockholders and all those people that are worrying about profits and results and all. And there's nothing wrong with results because you want results. But you want results, what? Through motivated, empowered people. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you just heard one of the best descriptions and explanations of servant leadership that I have ever <laughs> I have ever heard. I mean, he really hits the high points. And the first thing, of course, that occurred to me was this, this idea of um, you don't need your leader to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, just get out there and do it yourself. Yes. And we come across this constantly um, and hear this constantly from people saying, well, what can I do? My boss isn't a servant leader. Well, that doesn't preclude you from being a servant leader. And once you do that, it's amazing what you will see happens in the people around you. Absolutely. You know, what came to mind, we've had the honor of having Cheryl Batchelder, the former Mm -hmm. CEO of Popeye, speak at our conference a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget her quote, just go do this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I just love her. Uh, I love the way she teaches. Like she's like a kid, just really direct, just do this stuff. And we do get all caught up in all the reasons why we can't. Right. But yeah. yeah, you can just start doing it and have an effect on people in a positive way. Sometimes you're just not in the right pond, as we say, right? It's just not a fit, and you have to move on. But you certainly want to try everything you can do to your part, and if you find, hey, I want to go be supported more in doing this, and that's never going to happen, eh, you might need it to change positions. But Right. We're not advocating that anybody you know, spend a lifetime suffering because they're trying to be a servant leader. Um, you know, use use your 
best judgment over whether it's a healthy environment for you or not. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. You may have to look for something else. Um, when you do, or if you do, make sure you ask questions and not just answer questions. You know, a- answer good questions. I mean, ask good questions of the, the particular company that you're looking into. Um, so you know up front whether it's an environment that you're going to be happy in or not. And Ken just reminded us of a key question. What's the vision? What's the mission? You know, what if you get good answers that align with your values, then right. that's half the battle. Right. It's super important. I think, you know, we've spent, it's one of the problems, I think, of, of business in general is that, you know, we get a vision and a, a meaning and purpose and we stick it on the wall and then we go about our business. Mm-hmm. And really the best companies are those that honestly believe their mission, their values, their purpose, and they make decisions based on that criteria. And you stick to your values and, um, you know, you've got half the battle won right there. Yeah, and amazing things happen. Yep, absolutely amazing things happen for sure. Let's go ahead. How many of you are in organizations where you have to screw a certain percentage of your people in your evaluations? I mean, isn't that, have you ever heard? How many of you go out and hire losers? We lost some of our worst people last year. We now need to hire some new losers to fill the low slots. No, you either go out and hire winners or you steal from other companies, or you hire potential winners. If you train them and all, they're going to be winners. You're not hiring a normal distribution curve. I was on the board of trustees at Cornell, and the faculty got all upset because I was beating on them. Because we go out and we spend a fortune getting the top 5% of the students in the world to go to Cornell. And then we have all these professors, the first round of examinations, the average score is in the 50s. Give me a break. When I was a college professor, I was always in trouble. I was investigated by some of the best faculty committees. Uh, <laughs> Because the first day of class, I gave out the final examination. And they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm confused. I said, I thought, I think, I said, you thought you were. And I said, I thought we were supposed to teach these students. You are, but don't give them the questions in the final. Why wouldn't I give them the questions in the final? Not only give them the questions in the final, what do you think I'm going to do all semester? I'm going to teach them the answers. <laughs> so when they get to the final exam, they get A. Why don't you want all your people to get A? Well, this is certainly a controversial subject (laughs) because, you know, the the usual approach, of course, is that you have a performance appraisal that says, you know, they meet expectations, they exceed expectations, they've got a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what Ken is advocating is that we go in already knowing our employees are going to be the best they can be, you know, they're going to achieve their goals, and then you help them get there. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, constantly uh, put them down or think negatively about them. Exactly. And I think what's so great about servant leadership to me is it's different. And I've always loved going the different path, you know, Mm -hmm. the road less traveled, if you will, has always been intriguing all my life. 
And I think it's just so exciting that um, the questions he's posing to us make us think differently. Yeah. And that's a good thing, right? Because we get stuck. This is just how we do it. We give tests at the end. We <laughs> da, 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 da. Not necessarily working, but this is how we do it. Right. So I love people that push us to think differently. And that's what he's doing here. And it certainly is worth giving some thought to in, in many walks of our lives. Obviously, the whole educational system is what he's talking about. But we can look at it through many different lenses that... Um, we don't always have to do things just because this is how it's done. Is there a better way to inspire people? Is there a better way to motivate them? Right. Um, you know, we love Liz Wiseman teaching about being a multiplier. Um, or do you, are you a diminisher? Same kind of concept here. Do you want to just run people down and, and, and that's how you feel you're going to get them to do their work? Or are you going to, you know, give them an, a way to get that A right out of the gate? You know? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, our educational system and, you know, how it kind of extends over into our working system as well. Um, so I think it's important for us to pay attention to that educational system and, and what it's doing and how it's doing it because obviously the product of that educational system are, will end up being our people that come into our businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, so they really are, uh, they really do have relationship to one another. Yes, and I think, you know, if you... We've seen art open so many different presentations right. with the example of, okay, everybody cross your arms and you go that exact way you cross your arms and he goes, okay, now go the other way. And it's uncomfortable and it's different. That's the challenge that we're challenging you to think differently and to behave differently. Mm-hmm. And this is the work that Ken is so passionate. As you hear him give this keynote, he's just, it's so important that he get this information out to people because it's it's critical, especially now in our world, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you'll see, we'll see him um, a little bit later here express just that. Leadership is not just about an organization. It's about influencing everybody you can, your family, your kids, your neighbors, your community, wherever you are. It's a lifetime strategy. It's just not something that you do just to get yourself promoted. And I want to tell you, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And Gary Ridge was in our first program. He's the president of WD-40. Any WD-40 people here? I bet there probably are some folks, you know. And Gary took my concept, and they created a thing at WD-40 called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Me Get an A. Duh. (laughs) The beginning of the year, every... They call him tribe leaders because he had to change the culture f- for a few years first into you know tribes so that people are all were thinking about how we can help each other and all. So they're tribe leaders and tribe members. And they sit there with each tribe member in the beginning of the year and set three to five observable, measurable goals, two of which they want to impact the organizational goals because they set those first. And then once they do that, what's the job of the manager? To get that person what? An A average. Because they have a report card at WD-40. It says first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, overall performance. And every quarter, every chief meets with their tribe members individually. And it's the stupidest thing in the world for you to sit there and fill out forms on your people evaluating their performance while they're sitting out there wondering how they did. Let them fill it out. 
People in organizations ought to already fill out one performance review of their own. And what's their manager's job? To agree or disagree with them. With the idea you're going to try to help them get an A. And every quarter, every manager, every tribe leader sits with each of their direct reports. The first item of agenda is the final exam still relevant. In other words, a lot of times we set goals in the beginning of the year and then we file the damn goals and don't do anything with them until the end of the year. Somebody said, oh, it's performance review. Oh, shit. And everybody's, oh, sorry, I'm supposed, not supposed to say words like that here. Uh, but, uh, but that is, it's such BS. And you're running around to try to find the damn goals. You know, nobody's looked at them. And WD-40, they can change their goals all the way to the beginning of the fourth quarter. And at those quarterly meetings, after they agree the final exam is still relevant, the tribe member gives their boss their report card, and they give them in each of their goals an A, a B, a C, or an L. An L means I'm still learning. So don't evaluate. It's a new goal. And some people rate themselves high, and the manager might say, no, I don't think it's quite an A yet. That's a good solid B. Let's talk about how we can make it an A. Some people might rate themselves low and give themselves a C. That's not a C. Look at that's a good solid B. Now, how are we going to get an A? And go look at the stock price at WD40 in the last number of years. And they did a recent employee engagement score. You know what their employee engagement score at WD40? 92%. And they passed out an employee satisfaction form. 97% of the people filled the form out. If you send out questionnaires to your people, if you get 50% back, you're lucky. 98%. 97. You know the highest rating in the last thing was? 98.7 people filling out the form said, I am proud to tell people I work at WD-40. I'm working on a book now called Duh, <laughs> which is why isn't common sense, common practice, the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Your job is to help your people win, not sit around there like just evaluate him. You know, get a freaking life. I'm not too excited or emotional about this. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm getting old and I don't have much longer, man. I got to get the message out. <laughs> oh, God. Ken's really talking about finding meaning and purpose in what you do. And that meaning and purpose applies to anybody in any walk of life because everybody has the need for that. And through servant leadership, I don't care what you're doing in an organization. You could be pounding nails all day long. If you know we have a goal, we have a mission, we have something that we're going to achieve, maybe our mission is you know, building homes for people. Wow, that's a pretty mm -hmm. great, you know, meaningful job. People just need to remember that. They mm -hmm. need to be told that by their leaders that what they do makes a difference. And so, you know, Ken is, is trying to get that message out, but he's also fulfilling his meaning and purpose mm -hmm. through what he's doing, through this teaching that he's doing. And it's just, uh, 
it's great to see. It's great to see his passion. That's a good point. That's why we feel that. I was thinking, oh, not a surprise. He's always like the one of our top-rated speakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the giggles he gives us, you know, the wisdom. It's all just right. so great. I was right. smiling through that whole piece just now. It was just so on point. Yeah. And yeah. on a, a more, you know, serious serious note, he talks about um, WD-40 and, the, mm-hmm. and their, their setting goals and that some of those goals needed to be, were related to the corporate goals. And uh, an exercise that we actually did at, at Daytron was we started doing goals from the corporate level down. Mm-hmm. And we would call them cascading your goals. That's the terminology, the tool that we used. And so senior team would set the goals for the year would go to the next level and they would say okay what are my goals that fit in with those goals all the way down to the individual contributor so every what you end up with is everybody knowing what the mission is right everybody Mm -hmm. knows what the goals are and they all relate to one another so it's quite effective to use that that method provides clarity at all levels yes Let's go back to Ken now as he concludes his presentation. One last thing, then we'll bring the panel up, is you got to have some habits that help you behave on your good intentions. And when I worked work with Norman Vincent Peale, we decided we have, we have two selves. We have an external task-oriented self that's used to getting jobs done, and then we have a very thoughtful, reflective self which of those two selves you think wakes up quicker in the morning? Which one? The task oriented self. What happens? The alarm goes off. My friend John Ortberg was a great pastor in Northern California. He said, what a terrible name. Why isn't it the opportunity clock? Or it's going to be a great day. No, alarm! Shouldn't you jump out of bed, man, and you're into your task or yourself, you're eating while you're trying to wash, and you jump in the car and you got yourself, you're going here, there, there, boom, boom, boom. You get home at night, you're absolutely exhausted, falling to bed, don't have any energy to say goodnight to anybody, you might be lying next to you, then you're out of there again. You know, and you're caught in a rat race, and the great, you know, Hollywood philosopher, you know, uh, what's her name? <laughs> I forget her name. What's her name, Marge? Oh, Lily Townland. <laughs> she said the problem with the rat race, even if you win it, you're still a rat. And um, so what you got to do is you got to take some time to enter your day, you know, in thoughtfulness, in some solitude, in some prayer, maybe reading some motivational stuff, not junk. And then every day I, I read my mission statement to be a loving teacher and example of simple truths that helps myself and others to awaken to the presence of God in our lives so we realize we're here to serve, not to be served. That's my mission statement. And I read that in the, in the morning and say, how am I going to live that mission statement? And then I look at my values of spiritual peace and love and integrity and joy. How am I going to live those today? And I don't know how many of you write journals. Any of you have journal writers? I never was a journal writer until my friend Bill Hybels from Willow Creek Church in Chicago called me one time. He said, Blanchard, I finally got it. Because he, he was like me. We didn't want to write journals because it's, I got people who write journals in four colors, you know, and they write poetry and all. And I'm competitive. I don't want to write a, you know, dumb journal. 
And so, so Bill was the uh, chaplain for the Chicago Bears when Singletary was there. And, and after he would do Bible study, they, the team would watch the films from the game before. And they would talk about what they did well and want to continue to do. And then they'd say, what are the things we want to improve and get better on? And Heibel said, I got it, Blanchard. Try this for your journal. It'll make the biggest difference in your life in your servant leadership journal. At the end of the day, write praisings and praise yourself for the things you did that day that are consistent with who you want to be in the world. And then write redirections. What did you do today that you wish you could add instant replay to do again? Because it's not who you want to be. And I tell you, if you track that over a period of time, what do they say? A life, unexamined life isn't worth it. That's the best way to examine your life. What are you doing great? And pat yourself on the back. And what are the things that you wish you had done differently? Because it might set up a one-minute apology the next day or what have you. Because it's a journey. If you do Egos Anonymous and you do a journal like that, I want to tell you, you're going to shift into drive. And you're going to really be out there making a real difference in the world. Because we need you. I mean, if you all will go out there as disciples, because that's what you are, that's what art wants you all to do, to be disciples of servant leadership. And wherever you go, remember what art is saying. The business you're in is teaching people the power of love rather than the love of power. Wow. So, bless you. I'm glad to be here with you. Art, why don't you guys come on up? Well, that was certainly a powerful ending. Mm-hmm. Um, really, that was it in a nutshell. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> speechless. Well, you know, I, I, I thank you so much for having me on this program to just sit and listen to this again. Uh, was was you know fulfilled me, and I think that piece about. Um, journaling and uh, praising yourself and redirecting is so uh, valuable to do. And Carol, you and I are big advocates here at the mm-hmm. Institute about self-care yes. uh, because, you know, we find servant leaders are givers and, you know, they give sometimes too much and in, in in not enough to themselves. Right. And so that's one simple practice that one can do to to self-care, the praises. What did I do right today? And then what would I have liked to have done differently? What could I redirect? What a positive way to think about even negative things you may have thought you did that day. It really right. struck me, and um, I'd like to integrate some of that practice. So I loved hearing all his wisdom again and just realize how blessed the Institute is to have had him all these years helping you know all of us grow as as individuals and as leaders you know it's really been amazing yeah and if I can just add something to that I know both you and I well you before before me but this year has been a year when I discovered meditation mm-hmm. and this has nothing to do with um, religion um, but it is a practice that to quiet your mind, basically. And I've really gained a lot from that, and I think it's helped me tremendously um, in my journey. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, if anybody's curious about that, to, to look into it and look into changing some of your habits 
to be more healthy. Absolutely. I think what meditation does is it makes you more aware of the state of your mind. Mm -hmm. um, I like what Ken said about if are you feeding yourself junk all the time? Yeah. And not to make the segue right to the news right now, but I have coached several people that are really struggling with the news, whether you listen to this station or this station, yes. but coming in and just depressing them. And it's like, you can manage that. You don't have to wake up in the morning and turn on this network or that network. You can choose to meditate, like you're saying, and just why don't I give myself some nourishment here before I get inundated by all that's going on in the world? So I think that it's very important to be aware. Um, if you want to grow as a servant leader, it's one of the key things you can do is sit quietly. Um, we, we like the app Headspace. It's out there for people to check out there. I'm sure there are many, but that one just seems to be really practical to use. So it's a great way to just test mm -hmm. out for like three minutes a morning if you want even. Right. But that self-awareness piece that Ken talks about um, is so critical to spend that time. And you can't hear it enough, right? I, I just I, I keep listening to this. And Brian, our, <laughs> our producer, he's editing this, so he's going to be super wise after all this. <laughs> For sure. But it was, it was great fun, and we're glad we could bring the audience. Ken Blanchard yeah, at his finest. Thank you for being with us. We Absolutely. certainly appreciate it. And we hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed doing it. You can get involved in the movement right now by, tell, by telling us at the Institute if you liked this format that we used today. Um, if you have some feedback for us, you can send that to us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com. And for today, we are the Servant Leadership Institute signing off. Take care, everyone. We hope this podcast added value to your day. You may be wondering, where do I go from here in influencing for servant leadership in my organization? Visit our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com to learn about all the Servant Leadership Institute has to offer. If you are looking for immediate impact, invite our CEO, Art Barter, to speak to your group. Art is a master storyteller who is passionate about servant leadership. His compelling story of implementing servant leadership at Daytron World Communications is sure to light a fire in your team to join the servant leadership movement. Rates are negotiable. Visit our website for contact information today. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.